0: Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Joining us from places unknown. She is an attorney. She is a, a power broker behind the scenes. I think you're this generation's Anna Hedgeman. I'm not sure because a lot of people don't know who she is, but you do. Let me welcome the one and only Jennifer Jones. Austin. Good
1: to be here. Always good to be with you all.
0: Thank you, be Hey. Um, you look radiant," she said. "Hey, Torrin. Um, so, uh, we we're we we're talking about a lot of things, and I know before we get into all of the things, I know you want to comment on the last caller as well. Um, you 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 have been doing a lot of behind the scenes things from closing down Rikers, helping to, to usher that in. Uh, you're on a commission right now. Can you talk a little bit about your work and what mm-hmm. people may not see your fingerprints when I mentioned Anna Hedgerman, Look her up. This woman made a lot of things happen and you never knew that she was doing all of these things. That's Jennifer Jones Austin in this generation.
1: Trying, 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 right? So I'm chairing the New York City Racial Justice Commission, and it's the first of its kind in the nation that is centering on uh, the New York City Constitution, the New York City Charter, and identifying how we can dismantle structural uh, laws that essentially have birthed and enabled racist policies and practices, systems, and institutions. Now, the the commission was created in March of this year, and in about a week, we're going to be voting out ballot measures that the New York City electorate would then vote on uh, come November 2022 to begin to dismantle racism in our New York City government. And what's really cool about it is uh, we're centering on, first and foremost, creating a preamble that's aspirational, like what every New York City resident should expect that their government is gonna do by way of just, you know, treating them fair and equitably, not oversighting uh, pollutant industries in their communities or making sure that every child has the same level of access and opportunity to good quality schools, not allowing for hospitals that are high quality to be in the more affluent communities and lesser quality hospitals in our communities it's going to do the work of establishing a office of racial equity with a, a senior level official reporting directly to the mayor and establishing certain accountabilities like you know an equity plan for all of New York City and then attaching you know the budget to it and looking at data and making sure that one community doesn't have better outcomes than another community it's going to focus on anti marginalization, uh, you know, how they go about oppressing us as people on a daily, looking at what's happening in the jails, looking at job and wage and occupation segregation, that kind of work. We're looking at a true cost of living. We know the federal poverty levels allows minimum wages to be paid that don't really help people make ends meet. So we want to put in place a true cost of living for New York City that says, The the, the federal poverty measure says that you know family four should be able to get by with twenty six thousand five hundred, but in New York City we know that in the Bronx a family of three needs at least ninety five thousand. So things like that. So I'm Mm. I'm excited about it. We're going to put it out there and hopefully we're going to set the wheels in motion for the nation to start centering on equity. Eight six six
0: eight zero one eight two five five. That's how you know blueprints have to be set somewhere. I was talking uh, this week on the air about. You know, how Spotswood Robinson and Thurgood Marshall and Paulie Murray helped uh, craft legislation and it started in mm-hmm. smaller places before it got to the Supreme Court. We're seeing a reverse of that. Same strategy happened with the Mississippi um, re- Reproductive Assault Acts that are now coming to the Supreme Court. They have a strategy what are your thoughts? You're you're a lawyer, as you're watching uh, the Supreme Court uh, case play out, which will probably up in Roe v. Wade. What are your thoughts on that, Jennifer?
1: So I, I think you hit it right on point. A. One of the reasons we're doing the racial justice work is that we want to set a standard that then other you know cities, localities, jurisdictions can look to and build on. What's happening now at the federal level is you know the the, the Roe v. Wade decision essentially established abortion rights as the law of the land. And it based it in the United States Constitution. What they're now trying to do, the conservatives are are, are suggesting that that the Constitution does not, within the right to privacy, give a right to an abortion. And so if they can essentially undo Roe v. Wade at at the national level and get rid of that right, then that allows states to make a decision one way or the other. Remember, federal law trumps state law. But if you have no federal law, states can do whatever they want to do. And so what they're doing now is trying to dismantle that federal law to swing the doors wide open for states. And what really concerns me about that is, you know, Black and brown women disproportionately have abortions. Now, let's be clear about this. You know, people like to say it's because of our behaviors. It ain't got nothing to do with our behaviors. It has everything to do with lack of quality health care, lack of education about reproductive health care. It has everything to do with suppressed wages that don't allow for Black and brown women to access quality reproductive health care. And may, very often, we find ourselves as a result, consequently, you know, becoming pregnant and having un, unwanted or unplanned pregnancies. And so what will happen if we lose Roe v. Wade or if we go to a 15 week ban which will set a precedent in Mississippi upholding that state law setting a precedent all around is that if we still continue to have lack of access to quality healthcare, because remember the federal government even under Obamacare healthcare doesn't allow for certain uh, you know, reproductive healthcare to be paid for with federal dollars. We're still not going to have the education. We're going to have a healthcare system that is already racist and misogynistic and sexist and racist towards black and brown women. We're going to see black women suffer the most. Black and brown women. But,
0: but if that's so, I, I'm looking at this as a power play. I had this conversation this morning with my students, um, and also the census, which is scaring. Uh, Mm so-called white folk into like, we got to put a stop to, uh, you know, we need more white babies. So if Mm -hmm. their goal is to, you know, increase their numbers, what you're saying, Jennifer Jones-Austin, is that that's going to do the opposite. It's going to increase the numbers of people who are underserved, which is not what they want, is it? I mean, I'm confused by the methodology. Right, but think about it this way. Even if you
1: increase the number of black and brown Mm -hmm. persons, if you still are engaged in wage segregation, if you're still engaged in marginalization when it comes to over-surveillance, over-policing of Black and brown co- communities, uh, still engaged in the work of keep, of using you know, the, uh, the policing as a militarizing force to keep Black and brown persons behind bars, you're still breaking down the Black family. And keeping the black family and black communities in need. So even if you have more people, doesn't mean that they're now getting ahead. They're at now even more challenged to get ahead. So if the black woman has five and six babies, then her wages go, but so far her children live in poverty. At you know, at at, at you know, one uh. in four black children living in poverty versus less than one in white one in ten white children. So they're still not getting ahead. And if the government withholds the resources and still makes it harder for Black people to vote, it's all part of the system. It all works together.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you for for clarifying <laughs> that because I was like, this is gonna backfire. Toranalis is here. Uh, Can I jump yeah, in? Yeah, I, I said jump in. <laughs> hey,
2: Jennifer, so I, I got a question for you because uh, at, at originally I was going to say thank y'all for coming. God bless. Good night. Because you said aspirational. You said equity. You said things that Karen and I talked about in Visionary Political Leadership a bit earlier before you joined the show. So I'm looking at the list of people who are on the committee, the commission, and Mm -hmm. I am in no way being critical. I like the list of people. I'm curious. It's absent of political people. It's absent of corporate personas. It's absent of folks that I believe maybe steeped in healthcare. When I think about education, healthcare, mm-hmm. housing, and compensation or wages, mm-hmm. it's sort of absent of those people. Is there any thought around perhaps yes adding no. or in the commission? Right. Or where are you all at that, with okay, that? So,
1: yes and no. And so, what I'll say to you is that first and foremost, we wanted to make sure that we had the voices of the community. So, we wanted people with lived experience. An example for you would be there's a woman on the commission by the name of Yesenia Mata. She is an immigrant. She is a, 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 an Army officer, a, a person with a lot of lived experience and does a lot of community organizing. Then we wanted persons like Laurie, uh Favor daniels Wait, hold is, on,
0: pause. pause. Lorie Daniel-Favors, who hosts the Laurie show. Daniel-Favors. Yeah, right here at 10 a.m. Eastern on Urban View. She's on the commission?
1: She's on the commission. So we wanted people who've been studying and working with community on uh everything from social justice to civil rights. We have an economist brother by the name of Derek Hamilton who is at the news
0: Wait pause pause this this is power Derek Hamilton is on the commission?
1: Derek Hamilton you, you got Larry
0: Daniel Favor Center for Law and Social Justice at Mecca-Evers College is on this commission you're on the commission go ahead keep going keep going. We've
1: keep got going. a brother by the name of Jay Philip Thompson who um is uh, also an economist and a social justice Uh, you know, a historian, and he hails from MIT. And our aim was to try to have a diversity of experience and connection to other communities, but people, honestly, who were first and foremost rooted in the cause and down with the people, and then to have those tentacles to be able to reach and stretch. So I have political connections and ties. Philip Thompson, the same. Uh, There's a woman by the name of Anna Bermudez who's worked with justice-involved persons, right? And so she centers on the economics and the experience of justice-involved persons. We wanted to bring people to the table who were able to kind of dip and dab and have connection to various communities, but also to understand the dynamics of the politics in the play. So we're doing the work right now of that political play. I get what you're saying, but we didn't want it to be people who were coming with the corporate mindset and trying to shut stuff down before we even got started.
2: Yeah, I I will say to you, um, and it certainly was not a challenge. It was really around, are we looking to expand it? Because I'm sure it's going to continue to grow. Last thing that I'll say, uh, Ms. Austin, is that I I absolutely believe if we're going to do diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging better, four words should guide each of us. Empathy, intentionality, proximity, and transparency. So I agree with you 1,000%.
1: Amen. And see, and then I, and I'm going to couple that with, I talk about aspiration being aspirational,
0: actionable,
1: and accountable.
0: Hmm. Oh, you got the A's you got, <laughs> you got the others. I mean, the, the, this work is so important and I, you know, sometimes things are so big that, you know, it's, it's hard to hone in on the impact of it until it's done, you know, and that's why, People like you, like Torrin, who work somewhat in the shadows, doing the things kind of quietly, super important that y'all understand what needs to be done. Because for mm-hmm. the rest of us, we're just going to benefit from it and not know how it happened magically in our community. But, I mean, it's it's so needed what you're doing. And you have a powerhouse crew working with you. Y'all going to get some stuff done. I know it. I've
1: been learning it. so much from them. And they just, they look, we are just, we're riding together. We're trying to get something done. And uh, we want to stand it up as a model for the nation. It's not gonna be everything. You can't dismantle racism four hundred plus years of racism, you know, with one you know one stroke of the pen, but you can begin to take the the meaningful steps that set the you know set it in action. That's I think.
0: And targeting the laws, targeting how you know we look at the right. constitution uh, you know in in each state and each city that that's where we start because that's how they built this. They built it, codifying our bondage, our three-fifths of of humanity, all of the things were codified into law, Uh, even whether or not we could miscegenate and marry uh, in this country was put into the books somewhere.
1: Yeah, and and what you were just talking about with respect to what they're doing with the the Mississippi ban, that's like prima facie evidence. It's like the best example of how this nation will create these systems and these structures you know, and then they'll push, 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 push with it. The voting rights, the Texas, uh, most recently passed Texas legislation, right? The push, push, push then at the federal level to try to undo. We, that's the kind of work we need to be doing. How do you build these testers, these models, and then
0: push, push, push to get something, you know, like, you know, to knock something off the cliff. And it doesn't happen overnight. Torin and I were just talking about the the long-term strategy that's required. Apparently it is being done and i feel good about it hey this is karen hunter you can listen to the karen hunter show live every monday through friday at 3 p.m east on SiriusXM urban view channel 126 or anytime on the sirius xm app